Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. We were, Al asked me a few minutes ago, hey, what's the name? And I just said, you can call today. We're still talking about Esther. I said, uh, you know, you can call today, go deep. This, my, this picture came to my mind of something that I was involved in many years ago, and I thought it was a distraction from worship. And then I thought, oh, I, I believe that's the Lord. <laughs> I, I believe there's a little message in it. So I, I just want to share that really quickly. But when I was in high school, I played football. And I was a, I was a halfback. So um, we, had, we had this play. I don't think we'd ever run it before, but it was going to be a halfback pass. So we were, it was going to be like I was going to run, but then I was going to stop and throw it to somebody who went downfield. So I could actually throw the ball pretty far. Farther, I mean, it'd be farther than you would think, you know. And so I told, I told the, uh, the wide end, I, I split in, I said, his name was uh, James Tyson. I remember James. James was so fast. And I said, James, look, when you think you've already run too far, keep running. Do not stop. You keep running. And the guy who was the safety that was defending him was the fastest guy in the conference. This guy... I think he had all these records and track and everything. And so the guy defending him was like the fastest guy. And I told James, I said, James, when you think you've already run too far, just keep running. And so I get the ball. And when I do, the safety had already stopped. He thought he's already gone deep enough. <laughs> and, and I had told James, it's like, go deep, right? Just keep going. Just keep going. And I threw the ball, and it was, it, I mean, he was, he was probably 10 or 15 um, yards <laughs> past the safety. I mean, and it, the ball was so high. I mean, I think in the stands, everybody knew it was going to go really far. <laughs> you know, everybody's like stand, start, stood up because you're watching that ball, and you see the safety's there. This guy's way, <laughs> way past him because he kept running. And, of course, the guy catches it. And he's, you know, he goes right to the end zone. It was like the easiest touchdown ever. And the guy, go, he, James comes back and he says, man, I wanted to stop. But I remember you said, keep on running, keep on running. And uh, somehow when I, when I was I told Al the message was go deep, you know. And this thought came to my mind, and I believe it's the Lord. You know, sometimes we think we've already gone so far. Oh, I've already gone so far. You know, and we want to give up. We want to go, oh, you know what? I've been running already. I've already gone. Look, this. I'm already gone this far. And God's got a stronger arm than you can imagine. You'd be so surprised how far God can throw that ball, right? And you need to keep running because if you will keep running, keep running when it looks like it's too late, too far, you've already gone far enough. If you keep running, God at that right time is going to throw the ball he's got for you and you're going to be in the perfect place he's got you to be and you know sometimes I just feel like it's almost like you run farther than the devil's willing to keep up with you amen he's like oh God's not going to do anything and you just keep on going I just want to encourage you with that because I do believe that encouragement is from the Lord God's got something great he's going to do and for those of you that are getting tired weary think you've already gone so far don't give up. Keep running. Keep running. Keep running. Your, your running is saying at the right time, at the right time, God's breakthrough is coming. At the right time, it's going to show up. It's going to be here. So keep running. God's blessing is going to be there and you're going to be in the perfect place to score, so to speak, because you didn't give up. You didn't start doubting. You didn't start second guessing. And you just did what God's told you to do. Amen. God's got something so good, and God's going to bring breakthrough in this hour, even now. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I was telling Sherry some other, I mean, something happened yesterday, and I just was blown away. I'm going, man, I had a word about that very thing like 25 years ago. And, you know, I just was blown away, you know, just like uh, just my, the whole day. I couldn't get it out of my mind, and I'm going, God's amazing. God's amazing. Amen. Keep running, keep running, keep running. The ball's coming your way. 
Just keep running. God's faithful. God is faithful. He knows exactly, exactly what he's doing. All right. Now, we've been talking about Esther, Mordecai and Haman. And this is in the book of Esther. What a great story this is. I, I love this story. And the more I'm looking into it, I'm, I mean, this week, I like every point of this story that I'm getting, it's like it's for me. It's you know what I'm saying? And I, and I said from the beginning, this story is for right now. This is the kind of thing that's happening right now. Some of the things we learn in this story is God often moves when we don't see him moving. You see, God's moving behind the scenes when it looks like he's not doing anything. That's how God often moves. And then, but you've got to be able to see those kind of things. You've got to walk in faith. And then the, the obvious happens later. And there's so many other things of deliverance. There's so many things that God begins to do at the right time. But anyway, the, we, we, just to give you a little backdrop of the story, if you've not been here, um, they're in trouble. The Jews are in trouble. They're in Persia. Persia has issued a decree that came through Haman that, that says all the Jews are to be killed on a certain date. And, and, um, and, then, and then, of course, th that's, that's a horrible thing, right? It's a terrible thing that's going on. Esther happens to be queen of all of Persia. And it's so strange how she got to be there. But she's the queen of Persia. She's over all of Persia as queen, that is. And she's a Jew. I mean, what a crazy thing. So when the king issued um, Haman's request out as an edict that, you know, all the, the uh, Jews are going to be killed, he didn't even realize that queen, the queen was a Jew. So anyway, there she is. Now she's under that same law. Mordecai is her uncle that raised her as a father. And he asks her, we got to this point, he asks her, Esther, get involved, get involved, right? And um, Esther goes, oh, wait a minute, I could die for that. I could die if I get involved. Do you understand what you're asking me to do? You know, it's like, hey, this isn't a small thing. I, I don't know if I want to get involved or not. I mean, I've got it pretty good here. I'm the queen. You'll probably never find out I'm a Jew, you know, and everybody else maybe will get, but I'm, I'm okay. And I don't want anybody else to get killed, though. I mean, I don't want that to happen, but I don't really know if I'm going to do any good. You know, I, you know, the kind of excuses we can get when we ought to get involved and do something. But we have reasons why we think we can't. You know, we have thoughts that come to us and say why we can't. So anyway, they told Mordecai Esther's words because she was having to transmit this. She couldn't actually leave to go talk to him now. Uh, she had to, you know, she was the queen. And uh, Mordecai told them to answer her this way. Don't think in your heart you're going to escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. Man, I just love that. He's just addressing exactly what is in her heart. Don't you think this way? You know what? I just mentioned this. Every one of us need somebody like a Mordecai in our lives that'll be honest with us, that'll tell us when we're making bad decisions, when we're not thinking right, when we're excusing ourselves, when we don't want to get involved, when we're being flaky. We need to have some brother or sister Mordecai that is willing to be honest with us and tell us exactly what we need to hear. You're never going to grow up and be a man or a woman of God if you don't have other people in your life. Iron sharpens iron, right? If you don't have other people in your life sharpening you, bringing you to, to some place you would not get on your own, you're never going to amount to very much. And if you just want to go to church and have an easy time, sit on the back row and just have a comfortable, you know, service and you never want anybody to get into your life, you never want to be challenged. I understand if you're checking things out, you don't know if you want to believe in Jesus or not. You don't know if that's really true. You haven't decided if you're willing to pay the cost of laying down your life. But when you do, I am telling you, you better jump all in. You ought to just say, hey, I'm in it. I want everything I can get out of this. And if you'll allow yourself to get immersed with other believers that are following God, do not start connecting with believers that have the same kind of sin problems you have, and they're not living any greater a life for Christ than you are. So many people, they feel good because... Everybody else is living just like they are. I had a guy come to me one time and he said, you know what? I don't know if you can help me or not. I've been in adultery and, um, you know, I'd like to have help. 
He said, but all of my people, all my brothers in, in the men's group, they're all telling me everybody does that. I said, what? I can't believe that. I mean, what kind of group is that? And how are you expecting to get free out of that? And you just think that's normal. And you, you're there miserable. Your family's miserable. Your marriage is miserable. And you think that's of God? No, it is not of God. You need to connect with some others. You need to get people that will challenge you to be great, that will challenge you to be a man, that will challenge you to do right, to rise up from, from your compromise and your attitude and your lack of faith and your lack of commitment. You see, people are like, oh, don't be hard. Let me tell you something. Sometimes the hard word is what you need to get set free from yourself. Get up. Get out of that old attitude you've got. Quit being lazy. And too many people, they don't want to get involved because they don't want somebody challenging them to greatness, challenging them to go beyond themselves, to rise up above themselves, to rise up above the temptations, to rise up above mediocre Christianity. I'm telling you, there's nothing in that. Why do you even want that? You want to be a part of that or do you want to, you want to be a part of what God wants us to be a part of. You know, your whole, you know, look at this. You have one life to live. It's a test. Your life is a test. God's looking. All eternity is looking. You'll look back in eternity at your life at how you lived that little time. And you will wish you had lived it for God. You will wish you had been radical because that little time in, that you spend in your mortal life has an impact on your entire eternity. And so many people, they're just living for this life. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm 60 now. It just seems like I was in elementary school a few days ago. And I know if I die and if I live to be 120 on my best deathbed, I will look around and say, life is really short. Boom, it's gone. Only the things you've done for God are going to remain. And I just want to encourage you, what are you living for? What's your time going to? Where are your thoughts? Are you all wrapped up in this world? The Bible says, hey, don't get all wrapped up in this world. It's going to go away. It's going to be gone. You're spending your whole life on stuff that's just going to be gone. Jesus talked about that one time and he goes, look at that man. He's building, he's building, he's building, and he was just laughing and having a good time. And then he's like, and then it says, he, he, the man goes, I'm going to build more barns. I've got so much. And Jesus said that man's life was, was required of him that night. What's he going to do now with all that money he's got? What's he going to do now with that? He can't buy his soul back, can he? No, you can't. It's over. He wasted his whole life running after stuff he can't take with him. I'm telling you, it's hard. Sometimes to pull your heart, your mind, your affections off of the things of this life. But you've got to be willing to do it. You've got to man up. You've got to make a decision. You're going to do what's right. You're going to follow God. And I'm telling you, when you do, then you will be free. So many people go to church. I think we were singing a song, I am free, right? We sing that today. I am free. You know, so many people go to church. We're singing, oh, I am free. Jesus set me free. And they're like as bound as anybody. Bound by lust, bound by junk, bound by money, bound by things, driven in life all week, driven to do this, driven to do that, driven for success. I am telling you, there is a better life than that for you. It's full of purpose. It's full of life. But you've got to be willing to disconnect from that old junk. Anyway, getting back to this thing, Mordecai challenged her, challenged her in her fleshly thinking. Don't think you're going to escape, he says. I love that he was in his, her life. Don't think that you're going to escape. Because if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance, it's going to come. But it's going to come, won't come from you. He's telling her, look, God will use you in a major way. You don't feel it. You don't understand it. Maybe you've not even recognized that God's been working in your life to get you where you are. And he's saying, if you will at this time connect with God, who knows what God might do? But if you don't sh shrink back, it's definitely not going to end up well. What a strong word there. It says, he says, do not shrink back. 
Because if you don't do what you're supposed to do, God will do it through somebody else. But you and your father's house will perish. What a word. Yet, who knows? Maybe God put you there for this. See, that was a surprise to her. You mean, you mean I'm just not here because I'm pretty? I'm not here because I'm so special that the king wanted me? No, maybe God put you there because God has a purpose. You know, most people think they are in their life when they're successful. Oh, I'm so great. Oh, I'm, let me just say this. You are nothing. I mean, honestly, when you just think about it, who, what is man that he should boast? I mean, seriously. And the little intelligence you might have that you think so much better than somebody, I'm, I'm telling you, it's like nothing. Anyway, so what he was telling Esther right here was he's pushing her to do something that she's not wanted to do, and she's feeling like it's impossible. The fear is facing her. She's seeing herself perhaps being killed for what she's going to do. She's seeing laying down her life, which at that point had become a good life for her. She's living like a queen. She's having to lay all that down, not just for a little less, but to even be willing to die and, and give it all. And this is what I, I just want to mention here. God will always, this doesn't sound very nice, but God will always require us, pull us into something that's bigger than ourselves or, or more difficult than we think we can do or something that's beyond what we think we can do. And when those moments come in life, we have to be willing to say, I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to go further. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep trusting. I am not going to give up. I'm going to believe that God is going to give me whatever I need to get the job done. You see, if you remember the great story we mentioned very often for illustrations, I believe God meant it to be this way. It's the story where they were called to go into the promised land and the 12 spies go into the land to spy out the land and two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, come back. Two spies out of Israel come back and they say, wow, that was, th these, these giants are really big, but we can take this. What did they do? Joshua and Caleb went deeper. I believe they were hit with fear just like everybody else. But thank God, I believe they were a paired up team. And they're going, oh my. You know, and many believe that the giants back then were literally like um, 12, 13 feet high, tall. King, uh, what's his name? Og. It, it says in the Bible, his bed was 13 feet long. That's one big guy, amen. So anyway, these were big guys. They call them giants for a reason. They're giants. And they were huge. And so, um, anyway, um, so these Israel, the, the two are like in faith. They went deeper. And what happened to the other ten spies that went to spy out the land, the promised land? They saw the giants, and they're going, oh, no. God's asked us to run too far. He, he can't throw the ball that far. God's asked us to go beyond what we can do. And they started saying, we can't do this. Look, guys, it's a lot bigger. I mean, you haven't seen these people we saw. They're huge. We're like grasshoppers compared. I mean, they're, they're like, I mean, what? it's just amazing how big they are and how strong they are. Essentially, they're going like what Esther said. We could die. We could die. Now, Psalm 95 talks about these moments when, when we're in a trial and we're tempted to complain, which is what Israel does. And that's what Psalm 95 is talking about. And, it's, and he says this there, There are people whose hearts always go astray. They have not known my ways. When is he... When, When's, what's he talking about there? He's not just talking about um, going to sin, going to, you know, live in adultery, to lie, cheat. He's not talking about that here. 
this, I mean, that's all true. But here it's where there were trials and they began to complain and they began to go in the other direction. You see, that's when they started to back up from serving God. When serving God began to require something of them, they began to back up and go, nope, not for me. They began to complain. They began to blame God. They began to get upset at their circumstances. And God goes, that's when their heart goes astray. Now listen, the Word of God teaches us that we're all going to go through difficult times and every single one of us is going to get hit with some bad circumstances in life. Amen? You ever happen to anybody here? Yeah? Well, in Hebrews 3, it tells us what to do when that happens. First of all, fix your eyes on Jesus. You look toward Jesus. Start looking to Jesus. Stop looking to yourself. Stop looking to your circumstances. Fix your eyes on Jesus. What does that mean? That means you need to be thinking words of faith. You need to be thinking about how faithful God is. You need to be looking at Jesus. You need to be trusting in Him because the circumstances of this life, words of doubt, fear, run away, oh, give up, those are going to be there. But you've got to start looking to Jesus and trusting in Him, and you've got to get your eyes off of those other problems. Then he says this in Hebrews 3, Don't harden your heart as in the day of trial. Don't start complaining. Don't start getting upset at the trial you're going through. You see, Mordecai could have just gotten upset. He's going, nope, we're going to get through this. Yes, I don't feel good right now, but I'm going through it. And remember, he goes, God is going to deliver us. We're in the middle of it, but I trust God's going to deliver us. I'm not giving up, Esther. How about you? Are you coming? I'm going to make it through this thing. I don't feel good, but I'm not giving up. God's going to deliver us, he said, remember? You see, so you can't harden your hearts and have an attitude, get upset. Why'd this happen? Why'd this happen? God's not fair. Why'd God allow this? God's like, if you just have faith, God always allows himself to look bad. I just, it's just the craziest thing to me. God will put you in situations in life where he looks like he is not faithful. And that's when you're tested. Do you really believe or are you just walking by what you see, feel, think, etc.? Man, it happens all the time. One of the greatest ones. What's the greatest act of faith? Probably in the Old Testament is Abraham taking his son. God says, that son, he's the promised one. That's where your, that's where your blessings are going to come, all through him. And that son hadn't had any children yet. And God says, go sacrifice him. You know what I'm saying? Most of us right then would have gotten mad at God, thrown up our hands. God, you are not faithful. You told me to sacrifice the very thing you told me. You, it's impossible. You know what it says Abraham did? This is amazing. He went deep, by the way. How'd he go deep? It says in the New Testament, he's just figuring this out. God told me to sacrifice my son. He's the one the promise is coming through. He'll raise him from the dead. Paul says that Abraham figured God will raise him from the dead. And I am telling you, you've got to have the right kind of thinking. It might not be exactly what God's going to do, but when you have faith, God honors that. He's just looking for somebody that will believe him after everything looks bad. And he let himself look bad. I can't stand to watch TV programs where somebody, I can't even stand to watch Barney Griffin, uh, Barney Griffin, uh, Andy Griffin and Barney Fife, you know, when, when somebody's set up and looks bad. I even have to cut that one off, right? I just can't stand it when somebody's set up. God sets himself up all the time to look bad, to look guilty. I'm not going to come, it looks like he's not going to come through. He, he, he says, I'm going to give you guys the promised land. And then they go in the promised land and they're all these people, seven huge nations of huge people. And they're going, God did us wrong. God, I can't believe God brought us here. So don't harden your hearts. Third thing it says in Hebrews, encourage one another daily. Encourage one another daily. I am so thankful for the people I have in my life that will encourage me and just say, rise up, 
you're, you know, today's going to be a good day or, or, or we'll give God's perspective in whatever trial I'm going through. That's encouragement. We need encouragement every day. We need to encourage one another to rise up, to be strong. And I would just say this too. Sometimes encouragement can be just that kind of word that Mordecai gave to Esther that challenged her a little bit. Because what happened after that word, she got courage. She was encouraged because of his word. Amen. Anyway, where would he be without her, right? So what happens then? So she gets this word from Mordecai. And what has she been doing? Mordecai, you don't know. I might die for this. And he goes, you're going, if you don't do it, you're surely going to die. God, you know what I'm saying? You can't back up. And by the way, let me just reemphasize that. I'm not sure I made that point clear. You see, when you face a trial, what it's saying in Hebrews, what the Old Testament's saying, when when they're when all of a sudden you're led in some place and they're giants, you can have fear, okay, for a moment and work through things. But once you decide, I'm not going forward anymore, once you turn around and you start complaining, I mean, you're in a very, very bad place. Amen. God calls you to go forward. Think about this again. Let me, I'm backing up here. Think about these people. They, they've not been taught to fight. They've just know a little bit. They've been slaves. They've done a little fighting. And then they go and God brings them to the promised land. And he's asking them to fight. Does that sound fair? It doesn't, does it? But only if you don't have faith. Because what did Joshua and Caleb say? Joshua and Caleb said, if God's with us, it's going to happen. God's going to do it. Guys, don't y'all realize you have to stop looking at you. That's what the whole thing is about. It's, it, God brought us here to make us not look at us anymore. That's the only way we can do this is to go deeper. We've got to trust more. We've got to believe more. We've, we've got to allow our courage to not be in ourselves anymore, but in God. You see what I'm saying? And so that is the path of the Christian life. God putting you in places where you're having to go, oh, I have to trust now. I've got to let go now. I've got to believe God now. And it doesn't feel good because we want to be in situations where we know we can kill the enemy or, or, or overcome, right? And God says, I'm going to put you in situations where you can't do it and where I'm going to look bad, where you still trust in me and, and keep believing until you see the breakthrough. Amen? Anyway, so Esther's considering the cost. I believe she was wrestling with God. Maybe it was a few minutes. Maybe it was a few hours. I don't know. Maybe it was longer. But, um, you know, maybe maybe y'all have wrestled with God before. Maybe some of you now, I don't know where all of you are that are on online here with us on Zoom and on Facebook. Maybe, maybe you um, maybe you're in a place where, you know, you've wrestled with God and there's a wrestling going on on the inside of you and you haven't you haven't been able to make that decision. Am I going to am I willing to pay the price? Am I really willing to go forward? And um, I just want to encourage you. You got to take that step. Look what she did here. Esther, this is when she replied. This is how she replied. Um, okay, she, this is what she's telling Mordecai. Okay, Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in, in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast also. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law, which is very dangerous. And she said, if I die, I die. So Mordecai went his way and did just as Esther had told him to do. Now, I love this because she has gone from this place of saying, I might die. I might die. It might be hard. She went from there to say, so what? If I die, I die. Man, can you see? I want y'all just to think about this. Do you want to be this person? I might die. It might be hard. 
I might suffer. Oh, it might be painful. Or do you want to be the person that says, if I die, I die. I'm going to do what's right. Think about that. Who do you want to be? You know, this is an interesting thing. You take your character with you for eternity. People don't understand that. What you develop here in your character, you take it with you. <laughs> do what's right. Do what's right. Do what's right. So anyway, she says this, if I die, I die. And there's something in that resolve that is like when, when you come to a place of resolve, things will begin to change in your life. Your faith in God will change. I, I can't stand to see wishy-washy Christians. You know, there was a prophet in the Old Testament that one time um, was preaching. It was Elijah preaching to a large crowd. I mean, it's a, um, this probably isn't a literal statement, but it's like all Israel was there. Everybody was there. And Elijah's here, one prophet facing the whole nation, so to speak, right? And he says, how long are you going to limp on a divided opinion? Uh, how long are you going to be double-minded? He says, if God's God, serve him 100%. If Baal's God, serve him 100%. How many Christians and, and people who say they're believers don't serve God 100%. And I believe it's just like Elijah today would say, listen, guys, it doesn't work that way. It won't work right until you serve 100%. Anyway, it's that resolve. When she got that resolve, all of a sudden, she went from a fearful, shaking person to, man, now she's like this. <laughs> if I die, I die. Yes, she's strong. Man, that courage, I, don't, I forgot who said this, and I forgot the exact statement, so I'll butcher it probably, but someone said the courage, the courageous only die once, but the fearful die many, many times. And that, that's so true. And God says, I'm calling you to be faithful, be full of faith. Anyway, so um, she says this, and once she gets that resolve, once she makes the resolve, has the resolve to do it, strength comes in her to do it. You see, some of you might be wondering, how am I going to serve God? How am I going to do this? You know, I don't feel like I can do it. Oh, that's too, oh, I can't do this. I don't know if I can serve the Lord. It's not about you. Do you know one person can serve God just as much as the other? One person can have faith in God just like another person. What's the difference? I believe fully it's resolve. If you will fully commit your heart to the Lord, you know what's going to happen? God's going to come through for you. God's going to help you. God's going to empower you. But you cannot run away from God. You can't run away from what God's telling you to do. You've got to go deeper. Sometimes you might cry. Sometimes it might be so painful you think you're not going to make it through. You want to throw up your hands. You want to give up. But because you don't and you just say, God, I'm not giving up. God, help me. I am telling you, God will come through for you and God will raise you up and turn you into a new person. It happens. It's just as, it's just as clear a thing that happens as anything I know. It, it definitely happens. So what does she do? Once she makes the decision, she's going to do what God says. Once she counts the cost and says, I'm all in, I don't care what happens. And I'm asking you, be, honestly, be thinking about that. Be a, be a hero, right? Be, be courageous today. So I'm, I'm pointing at all the names I'm seeing here on Zoom, if you're wondering who I'm pointing at there, and, and here too, right? But um, anyway, she goes, get everybody to fast. Wow. She's, she's decided to do what's right. And here, the first thing she says is, let's get God involved in this right here. I'm going forward, but we've got to have God. There's got to be prayer. There's got to be fasting. There, we've got to have Divine intervention. God's with us, but if we don't have divine intervention, it's not going to work. You can be called of God if you don't get God's intervention. It's not going to work. That's how this thing works. God's already, by the way, set up everything for your blessing. But you've got to connect with God in faith and prayer to get it. Amen? But it's already been provided for us. Okay? So, I want to just encourage you in this. And see what she's doing? She got resolve. 
but she still is in the middle of a difficult situation. And so she's like, we've got to pray. We've got to pray. So she's bringing everybody into prayer. And I want to just go to the side in my discussion with you this morning and, and just say for our nation right now, it's going to require that we get God involved. And as much as you may get upset, and we can all get upset. I, in fact, I think that is probably part of the process. Getting upset at the right things, you see, not at the wrong things. The devil wants to get you upset at the wrong things, fighting the wrong battles. You see, he's always doing that. He, he'll do something over here. It was, it was, um, I, anyway, I, I'm trying to use so many examples of things I hardly remember, like what Muhammad Ali, right? He just, just wants you to box a certain way and wear yourself out, right? But you see, what, what God wants us to do is hear from him and keep going deeper and keep praying. And what Esther did there is she said, it's not going to just be me praying. I want everybody to be praying. And you see, this is what I believe needs to happen in this nation right now. I don't believe, I do think there are many people praying, but I believe what God's doing right now, he's bringing the whole church to a new place of believing God for a breakthrough in this nation, believing God for an outpouring in this nation, that we would turn back to God, that we'd turn back away from our godlessness and all the attitudes that we've developed. There is so much evil in our nation at this time. I just realized the other day, I don't have the confidence and the hope in, in certain things in this nation that I used to. I still love it, though, and I'd still die for it, so to speak, if that's the Lord's will. You understand what I mean? Because it's laying down your life for other people, that they might do well and that they might have uh, God. You know, the Bible says, Tim, Timothy's told by Paul, you know, uh, pray for leaders. Why? Because God desires all men to, <laughs> to know the truth. You see, there's can be attitudes in a nation that impact the whole nation. Anyway, I, I don't mean to get into that today. Let me back up, get back into this thing. I just want to just say this much. We need to all be praying right now, and we need to get God involved in our nation. And I would just say this too. God's already started doing something. If you open your eyes, you can see God's already starting to do something, but it looks like it's behind the scenes. I am telling you, open your eyes, amen? Something good's going to happen. But it might be through the path of some pretty serious difficulties. I don't doubt that at all, but you know what? All I know is God's going to take care of us, and we're going to be better at the end of it. And I bet you in the middle of it, we'll be praising God like we never praised God. We'll be singing like we never sang before. And there'll be something more precious than that than any wonderful moment you've ever had. One of the greatest moments I've ever had was a moment of worship. And it was in the middle of a trial. In the middle of a trial. An intense difficulty. On that day, I felt that trial so much. And I went to worship, and when I worshiped, because of the trial and my response to the trial, it, before God, it was amazing. It was like an amazing experience of worship. And it happened later that same day. I have never even after that had that intense worship kind of experience. I, we worship all the time. I experience the presence of the Lord. He speaks with me. I have encounters with him. But I realize certain situations and our responses to them engage us with God and allow us to have times of worship and breakthrough that we wouldn't normally have. And I want to say that's why we are only perfected through trials and difficulties. They allow us to have certain responses that are so deep of that are full of worship and the, doing the right thing when it's hard to do that right thing. When you do that, you are connecting with God in a way you can't even do without that trial. That trial, that difficulty enables you to have a worship experience. And God loves that. And there are experiences you'll never forget. Amen. But anyway, that's, that's what was going on there. He's calling everyone in. She's calling that. And I'll just, I'll just say this too. God wants to teach every single one of us how to get God involved in our lives. You see, you know, 
I'm not sure if I'm going to get into this today or not. Because I think if I do, I won't be able to finish. But I'll do it another day. But God wants every single one of us to learn how to pray and to get answers. Pray, praying's not some mysterious, you know, putting a uh, coin in a slot machine and hoping that, you know, something's going to come out. Praying is asking, believing, and receiving. God says if you pray, you're going to get it. So if you don't know you're going to get it, that means you're not trusting the Word of God or you're not praying right. And so God wants you to get answers. God loves for you to get answers, all right? Anyway, I will teach you a little bit more about that later. But every one of you, you you need to begin to have a mindset of, wait a minute. If there's a way to pray that I'm supposed to pray, the Bible says not to pray certain ways. It says to pray with certain kinds of attitudes. And Jesus says he's going to give answers. And in the Bible, it says God's going to give us answers. I need to start learning how to pray like that. Hmm. It's a powerful thing. Amen. And often what we get is peace in the middle of the storm. That's what we end up with. And we're just going, everybody's, you know, we're happy. We're fine in the middle of whatever trouble we're going through. And people are like, what's up with you? Aren't you in a difficult trial? Yes, but no. I mean, yes, I'm in a trial, but I'm at peace in the trial because God's got it all covered. But it doesn't look good. And you know what? I believe times might come like that for our whole nation. And guess who's going to shine then? The believers that are already there. And everybody's going to look around and they're going to see some hope in somebody and say, where'd you get that from? Where'd that come from? I need some of that. And say, oh, it's because I know God. (laughs) It's because I've been praying and I got the breakthrough. I felt like you did before I prayed, but now I don't feel like that anymore because I've got peace inside of me. I don't know how God's going to come through. God doesn't always tell us. All I know is everything's going to be all right. Amen. Amen. That's God. From the time that Esther prayed, from the time she prayed, and I hope I can get through with this today because I just love this part of the story. From the time she prays, God begins to move. And I'll just share some of these things. I really hope you get to read this book. Somebody just told me, hey, I, got, I read the book of Esther this week. So it's, it's really great. But anyway, but she prayed. They got the people praying. God began to move right then. Okay, the first thing that happens, the king, he's trying to go to sleep that night. He can't go to sleep. It looks like just a natural thing. No, God didn't let him go to sleep. He doesn't know it's God, but he can't sleep. So what does he do? He goes, hey, he calls one of his servants. Hey, go read of the book of the Chronicles of Persia. I want to, you know, our, our history book. You know, I'm, I'm, I can't sleep. Those history books will always help me go to sleep. So, so, the, so um, that was of the Lord. That, that was what he wanted. Then the guy goes, and guess where he goes to read? It happens to be, remember where Mordecai did something great and he saved the king's life? The king got all wrapped up in the thing and he completely forgot about Mordecai. He's reading the story. That very day oh man that is amazing he's reading the story that very day right when right when the devil's trying to snuff this thing out right and then so then he goes oh that story about mordecai wow hey did we ever do anything for that guy man i just love this remember we learn when you sow you're going to reap you sow good god says don't be deceived you're going to reap back you do what's right unto god and you live your life unto god and you do right at the right time, you're going to get back. Remember, Mordecai had sowed something good, sowed something good, never reaped from it. Never reaped from it. You know why? Because God's got the best time. Remember, the Bible says, when you do good, do not be deceived. You are going to reap if you don't give up. Mordecai was still serving God. He was still believing. And it is time to reap. I love this story. The king remembers what Mordecai did. And he said, man, we got to do something for him. Now, at that same day, guess what's been happening? Wow, it's, it's really crazy, but Satan has been moving to try to kill Mordecai. On the very night, on the, the, the same day that the king was going through what he went through, earlier that day... Satan is actually trying to kill Mordecai. Why? He's going to be killed. Well, let me tell you what's happening first. Satan is telling uh, Haman, kill him today, kill him today. He gets more angry. Why is he getting angry? He's motivated by the devil who's in his heart. 
just like Judas was motivated, just like many people are motivated today by demons in what they do. Many, many, many people motivated by evil things. You give in to evil, you're controlled by evil. You give in to bitterness, you're controlled by bitterness. You give in to envy, you're controlled by envy. You give a door to the devil, he's going to come right in. And Haman had opened up a door to the devil in his life. And his wife was saying, and his friends, build a gallows, kill him. He was going to kill him. The next day, he was going to hang him. And they said, build it 75 feet high. He didn't just build it a, a little high to kill him. He built it 75 feet high. He wanted it to be an exhibit. He wanted everybody to see, I am going to shame this guy Mordecai, right? He got so angry. Who's doing this? The devil. Why is the devil pushing things up for Mordecai? Isn't everything getting ready to happen in a, you know, a few weeks anyway? Aren't they going to kill all the Jews in a few weeks anyway? The devil is doing this because he knows God has started working. And if he doesn't do something, it's going to be crazy what's getting ready to happen. The devil's going, oh my this, we got to push this up, guys. He, he causes this thing to happen. He's trying to kill Mordecai now. I am telling you, this kind of stuff is as real as it gets. I told y'all I had a, I know this was a prophetic week. And, more, and I've told y'all about this, but it's a big part of my life now. I go to Montana, and that whole week, it's like I was in a zone, like a spiritual something I mean, and um, I mean, God thing. God's speaking to me so clearly through things that are going on. I won't reiterate them today only because I don't have time. But so many crazy things were happening. And I'm like, wow, God's got to be saying something to me in that. Anyway, and I, I'll just say God was just saying the time of reaping is coming. There's a great, great harvest coming. And he was just showing me how faithful God was declaring he's faithful. He's, the, the harvest is coming. You can't always see him, but he's there. He's going to be right on time. And there's a major harvest. Things are getting ready to change. And then, and then like a couple of days later, it's like, and now, and, and God spoke this word, right? Don't boast about tomorrow because you never know what a day may bring forth. And I knew God spoke that to us. And I've told you all before, I'm, I'm here praying about it. And it's like the devil wants to throw something at you tomorrow. And I am telling you, and y'all know what happened with that car that hit us going well over 100, you know, maybe 120 or something. But I am telling you, just as clear as day, it, it, I don't even understand things like that. How'd God tell me that the day before? You know what I mean? And that whole thing, and how is it that at that moment, it's like whatever kind of witchcraft, whatever something that the enemy threw, all that he had built up. And that time to try to bring me down. And why would he try to do it? God had just said, was just saying, the time of blessings at hand, it's coming. And I believe with all my heart, the enemy was going, if he gets past this right here, there's too much blessing coming the other way for the kingdom of God. And we're going to try to stop him with everything we've got. Man, I'm telling you, when you're getting ready to have a breakthrough, the devil will do everything to discourage you, stop you, even kill you. You just stay connected with God because God's going to get you through. God's going to help you. God will tell you how to pray. And he will lead you into an amazing victory because there's some greater blessings in front of you. Amen. What's that song we sing something about God's the God of the city? There's greater blessings in front of us. We haven't experienced. There's something God wants to do in this city we haven't seen yet. There are little house churches and places and people and disciples that need to get made. There are people that are going to get saved. We haven't even met yet. You're going to be discipling them, bringing them to the Lord, watching them grow, watching them learn. It's an amazing thing. You just need to be connected with it. I am telling you, it's better to serve God than any other thing in this life. Everything promises joy. Everything promises fulfillment. There is nothing in all of that. But God's got everything you need. God's got everything you need. Amen. And there's such joy and meaning and purpose in this. But anyway, there he is. He's got this gallows made. He's wanting to kill, to kill Malachi. Malachi. Um, what's his name? Mordecai. Malachi, somebody else. But um, <clears throat> devil wanted to kill Malachi too, I'm sure. 
So, so here he goes. The next day, the next day, Haman comes in to request to kill Mordecai. And he would have certainly got it because the king did what Haman asked. I mean, that's no big deal to kill somebody for this guy, right? But guess what? God's been working. They've been praying. God's involved in this thing. And the king just is right at that moment. That right at the moment when Haman wants to kill Mordecai, the king's thinking, I want to bless Mordecai. Mordecai's come to his mind. He didn't even remember who he was until the night before, right? It's, and again, think about this. If Haman had come a day earlier, he'd have gotten his request. Had the king read the Chronicles a day later, Mordecai would have died. You, you see, look how God is so precise. It is so amazing. So, Anyway, so, so you get through this story. L- let me just read some of this here. It, it's, just, it's just so funny. Um, he goes in there. Mm, let's see here. Okay, so Haman goes in to ask the king to, to kill Mordecai. But before he asks the question, the king goes, Hey, what should, I be done, what should be done for the man I want to honor? He's thinking about Mordecai. Haman, he's so full of himself going, hmm, who else would the king want to honor more than me? He's not letting me know he's talking about me, but he's asking me the question because he wants to know what I would really want, what would really honor me the most and, and exalt me the most. So he's thinking something grandiose, and he's going to say something grandiose, acting like, oh, for somebody else, thinking it's for him. Knowing, you know, in his heart he thought it's for him. So, uh, yeah, Haman thought, who did the king want to honor more than me? And Haman answered the king, Oh, for the man who the king wants to honor, let a royal robe be put on him. Uh, put him on a horse that uh, on the king that one of the horses the king has ridden on, um, which the royal crest has been. You know, put that royal crest on his head. Then let his robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor, and parade this man on horseback through the city and proclaim before him, Thus shall it. Be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. And the king said to Haman, Great, go do that right now for Mordecai. Isn't that funny? He must have gone, boom. It slapped him in the face. I mean, it is so funny to me. Anyway, he does that. I mean, this is just so funny. Could you imagine him you know, as the top guy, a very honored, exalted person in the kingdom, second, like to the king, running in front of Mordecai. Thus it shall be done for the man God, you know, the king wants to honor. And you hate him. You wanted to kill him. You went in there to ask because you hate him so badly that, you know, God loves to honor his people. And he honors the ones that devil has been wanting to, kill, I mean, to put down. I am telling you, it's so very real. You know, and when you humble yourself and you do things God's way, you know what God does? He exalts you. But anyway, this is happening. I bet Mordecai's going, oh, my. And he's watching Haman, the guy who wanted to kill him, that he knows hates him, doing this. I I wonder what's going through Mordecai's mind. Like, oh, my, this has to be God. This cannot be just circumstantial. This has to be God. Something's happened. Things have turned. I don't know what happened. I don't know why that king did it. I don't know what's going on. All I know is something's different today. What a day. And then, and then he goes back. I love this right here. He goes back, and it says that Haman tells his wife and his friends, oh, it was a horrible day. Y'all won't believe what happened. And he tells the story. And this is funny, too. This is his wife and his friends, right? These are the same ones that yesterday, they're like, you do that. They shouldn't do that. You build that gallows. Yeah, you're going to hang them high. And today he tells them the story, and they go, oh, that Mordecai, he's a Jew. He's a God follower. Oh, you're going to lose. You're going down. I'm going, you told me to build the gallows. But that's what they say. And, you know, they're looking at what? This is really amazing. These are unbelievers. These are ungodly people. They're able to see something God is doing in the earth and go, oh, that's God. That is God. You're going down. Let me just tell you this. God's getting ready to do something in the earth, and even unbelievers are going to know it's God. 
They're going to go, mm, that had to be God. That had, mm, there's no way getting around. It's going to be so obvious. One day, they'll be pridefully going, oh, we're going to be doing this. And the other day, they're going to have the fear of God hit them. They'll go, oh, that's got to be God. That has to be God. It's going to be amazing. And I'll tell you something. The fear of God's going to come back in the earth again. It's going to be something. And you know what's going to be crazy? What I hate? I won't be surprised if when God do, does that, unbelievers are able to go, that had to be God. But believers, some of the scoffers, some of the ones that, you know what I'm saying? They'll be the ones scoffing about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. As sometimes the believer, the unbelieving believers, I call them. They're the hardest ones to ever see. Unbelievers will see a lot quicker than they will. Anyway, so that's what happened. And then, a, and then, of course, the course of events happen, and I'm just not going to read it because we're out of time. But it's just, again, another funny thing happens. At the end, Haman does something so crazy right there in front of the king. Esther brings it to the attention of the king, and the king gets so mad at Haman. And just like that, one guy goes, Hey, do you know he actually made a gallows to hang Mordecai, the guy, the guy you are so impressed with? And the king goes, hmm, hang him on it. <laughs> on the exhibit he made for everybody to see. Look, look what happened. God exalted Mordecai that day in the morning. Are y'all with me? God humbled Haman the same day. That's phenomenal. The turnaround happened just like that. God exalted one, God brings up one, God will bring down another. And there's going to be a day you're going to see this in so many different dimensions. Because when God steps in, when God gets involved, it's amazing what happens. You see, all we need is for God to get involved. All we need is for God to get involved. What was she doing? She's crying out, God, give us justice. God, give us justice. God, look what's happening. God, give us justice. God, do right. You see, if you start complaining, you start getting, no, nope, you're not going to get any breakthrough that way. Maybe a little breakthrough, maybe you're not, but not a God breakthrough. You got to go to God. You got to do things God's way. You start start crying out to God. When God gets involved, watch how He turns everything. How He gets involved in history. How he, how men's hearts begin to turn. How other decisions start to be made. You'll just be scratching your head, going, "How'd that happen? How'd the King decide to do that? Why this happen? Why, I mean, what's going on? Only God can do that. Amen." And I believe we're just in a place right now. God's getting ready to do some amazing things. I'm so excited about this season we're in. I just want to encourage you, keep going deep. Go long, keep running. God's going to throw that ball to you, and you're going to be down the field. You're going to be so far past your enemies. And um, it's just going to be amazing what God does. Don't give up. Don't give up. Amen. Don't give up. God's good. Father, we want to thank you for today. We thank you for the power of God. We thank you for the grace of God that's with us. Thank you for the help of God. Lord, we pray now, Lord, encourage us, strengthen us, give us what we need to go forward. Lord, we pray, empower us, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask you, first of all, for this nation. Lord, we're here just saying, God, we need a breakthrough. Lord, our eyes are open to the darkness that's here, the encroaching moral darkness, the ungodly attitudes. Uh, the, the, our nation's gone from bad to worse. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would break the back of of evil, of darkness, of lies, of deception, of corruption, of ungodliness that has just permeated almost every sector of society. God, we pray you'd clean out your church um, that caters to man and that is not really pure and preaching what you want to have preached and that we don't we're not building what you want to build god we just pray you get involved with all of these things but lord here we're crying out to you god we're praying god for a, a divine intervention god we're asking you to do something we're, our eyes are on you we're putting our eyes on you and not on ourselves not on how bad our situation is and god we believe for you to come through in this hour we believe for you to do a miracle in this hour we believe for you to turn things around we believe for people to give their lives to christ and father and i pray for everyone that's been listening over these weeks god for those who are in the valley of decision god we're asking in jesus name for the grace of god that they might be saved that they might step out and trust you and make this thing real God, make it real to everyone, we pray in Jesus' name. And if you're here with me this morning and you don't know if you're following God or not, just be sincere with Him today. And if you want to really follow the Lord but you don't know how, just be honest with Him. And I just encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. If that's you, 
Just say, God, I'm here for you today. I want to follow you, but I don't even know how. I don't even know how to do it. But God, I'm here, and I'm asking you to show me how. I want to live for you. I do believe in Jesus. I don't understand it, but I believe it. I believe he died for me. So God, I give my life to you today. Help me walk this thing out. I want to do my, my best. But God, you got to help me. So I'm taking a step of faith here, and I'm trusting you're going to help me do this thing. But I'm not going to go back, and I'm, I'm going to be like Esther. I'm going to do, do it 100%. I'm willing to lay everything down. I don't feel like doing it, but I know it's the right thing to do. So here I am, God. I'm all yours. If I perish, I perish. If I die, I die, whatever. But God, I'm going to be the radical one because I know that's the right thing to do. In Jesus' name, amen.